Welcome to our house with one of Australia's leading auctioneers, Rod Amos, and buyer's agent, Matt Sharp. And now for your dose of information and observation about real estate across the nation. Let's go live to your host, the voice of the National Rugby League, Steve Allen. Episode 47 of the Our House podcast, our final show of the year. And alongside me, the boys, uh, looking, is the word resplendent? <laughs> no, the fellow beside me is looking sharp. Yep. Uh, Rod Amos from Urban and Coastal and also East Coast Auctions. Good afternoon to you. And Sharpie, great to see you, mate, from Sharp Property Buyers. Thanks, boys. Uh, fantastic to be here and, yeah, heading into the Christmas break, which um, I absolutely love. Favourite part of the year for me is Christmas. It's uh, fantastic. You and the team have had an absolutely huge year out there in real estate working with your buyers and vendors. And from what I understand, you've put your hand up to look after the office while the rest of the team takes a Christmas holiday. Yeah, yeah, mate, we have had a great year. It's been fantastic. You know, we've been so fortunate to help so many different people from different walks of life. Um, some great outcomes for some clients and yeah over the Christmas break unfortunately it doesn't stop as you very well know so we have a few clients at the moment that are in their cooling off period and waiting for settlement and yeah it's just about having someone available just to guide them through that if need be so yeah the guys will have a, have a bit of a break and, and I'll be there to, to make sure everything's still sort of on track for yep. all of the purchases Hold the fort Steve uh, and I look like we're going to catch up with the Queensland <laughs> connection while um, over the new year aren't we? Yeah. Well, I thought you were going south Well I'm going down agenda bond, but I'll be up there. It looks like we might be doing something at Jade's Place for New Year's. Oh, fantastic. Well, yeah. you, your people talk to my people, but with you, Sharpie, I think your fantastic year had nothing to do with work. It's uh, the arrival of Kai to go with Remy and... You know, just the perfect little family. Yeah, thanks, mate. I don't know about perfect. Um, I'd probably use the word chaotic. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, we look very, very fortunate. Kai's a he, he's a great kid, and he's just settling in now, which is good. You know, it's been it was funny actually. Just last night, we we're having a look at some photos of that sort of first, you know month or two and, and you can barely remember it you both of you guys have had kids it's just like we look back now and, I, and it wasn't even that long ago but you just you're just in survival mode early you're just thinking oh, like if someone had to show me a photo of kite four months old like right now i'd barely recognize him honestly it's just like last night we're like who the hell is that time has little relevance until you have offspring doesn't it yeah, yeah seriously but yeah we're coming out of the fog now we're starting to get into a bit of a groove but yeah really really happy kids are healthy and happy and um spent the morning this morning with remy um at swimming which is which is all, always fun uh we broke a, f- a few rules as well so sorry mum now yeah. matt we're still waiting to see your completed outdoor entertaining area that was one of the promises leading up to christmas wasn't it yeah we might have to kick 2023 <laughs> off there yeah. we'll, we'll kick the year off there at our, our outdoor entertaining area and behind every great man is a sensational woman and uh, jackie's a superstar so is uh, sharon uh sending lots of love to all of our listeners at christmas time also lots of love to smith and sons renovations and extensions they've been with us all the way mark mcnulty and his team put you on the spot boys question without notice best episode for this year who was our favorite guest we've had some yeah, I was thinking about that, and I was also thinking about the most listened to episode. I think it still remains from a few years ago, Kyle from Kyle and Kara off the block. Mm. So that went off the Richter scale. If you dive deeper, we've had listeners from all around the world, so predominantly Australia, but next best for us is the USA. But uh, best episode, how about you, Rod? I'll throw it over to you. 
Look, I just think anything where you've got the luminaries such as Michael Yardney or, as today, Dr Andrew Wilson coming on board, these are people that have been watching the market for so long, they've got an intricate and personal understanding of it. And I just look at them for the guidance, the, the fact that they, they can look at the statistics and facts and give you some relevance as to what that means to the market in the coming weeks, months and years. For me, boys... Uh, now that I've had a bit of thinking time, I really enjoyed Brad Rogers coming on. So local guy from Rain and Horn, but he spoke at length about our area and some of the huge sales. Like one of them was over 50 million, which is unprecedented on the Central Coast. Speaking of commercial real estate, I thought Steve Polisi was fantastic earlier in the year as well. Well, look, it's, it's just incredible, isn't it? We get people of that calibre and that profile too. Steve Polisi, a world-regarded expert when it comes to investing, particularly in commercial and industrial. Um, allied that with Brad Rogers, that's a great coverage for Australia and anybody thinking about entering commercial industrial market. Yeah, and I love Kane King from CKDS. Uh, he was amazing because he gave us some insights around where the population was shifting, some things that were happening in some regional hubs. He mentioned the Central Coast. He mentioned Newcastle, parts of Tamworth. So I found that so interesting, that, that episode. And he was pumped because suddenly our area, where we've all lived for a couple of decades and longer in your case, Rod, he was talking about the fact that we've been identified for future growth. And that means, you know, big money and infrastructure and this area has been crying out for its own identity because it's situated between Sydney and Newcastle and it's always been lumped in with other metro areas mm. instead of being identified in its own right. And how interesting, like he's right at the forefront there in terms of, you know, trying to stay ahead of the trends and ahead of where the population's going. He's basically creating buildings and, and, and towns and areas for the population to then follow. So such an interesting job. And not just creative on the architectural side. I was lucky enough to be invited by Kane King to go along to the Central Coast Brewers personal tasting <laughs> at Six Strings a couple of weeks ago. And it was the for, a forbidden fruit ale that they developed. I've got to tell you, at 5.9%, it is not a bad drop, gentlemen. Yeah. Hey, hey. Courtesy of Kane King Brewer. <laughs> I would need two of those and I'd be out. I'd be asleep. Brewer and architect. I mean, what a combination. Hey, Does it get any better? You're onto something here. The Our House podcast uh, brewed. Uh, maybe a nice lager. Yeah. I'll, I don't mind a craft beer, so maybe we could just move it into that space. Yeah, look, it is summer, so I'm, I'm going to stick with the traditional Czech Pilsner, I think, something hey, nice and crisp. Hey, boys, uh, before we get to Dr. Andrew Wilson, uh, Chief Economist with My Housing Market, what caught your eye? I'll go first. Uh, for me, and I might raise it with Dr. Wilson, but there was 30 sales in Sydney and it totaled almost $1 billion. And uh, number one was a penthouse, so we'll discuss that with Dr Wilson in a few moments' time. Over to you, Rod. Very much in line with that. What's caught my eye is we are dealing with two markets. It's a very clear differentiation between the lower 90% of the market and the top 10%, and that's replicated in Sydney. It appears to be every capital city, every region around Australia, that the buyers that are trading up, trying to upgrade or buy properties, or in some cases downgrade in the top end, do not have the woes and worries of mortgages. They seem to be immune to so much of the price pressure. Where we're seeing the price pressure most effective is is those that are trying to borrow a larger proportion of mortgage and that's why we're suffering through that mid-range to some degree 
compared to what's happening in the top end. So it is two separate markets, those with mortgages and those without. Hey, Rod, you were on MBN TV this week, a feature story by the big bird, a.k.a. journalist Will DeFulvio, who's about six foot nine. Yeah, and I, I, I've got a new nickname, Rod Short. <laughs> Martin Short's brother after after that photo was podcast. My goodness, mate, that, that the cloud cover was low yesterday, but I still couldn't see him for the fog. Um, look, they were coming back on one of the stories, trying to get a bit of reasoning behind some of the other stories that are coming out about what's happening, really happening in the market. And it was just a case of qualifying the fact we all that is the market settled back down to where it should be. And uh, full steam ahead for everybody, level playing field for once. Yeah, yeah. great guy, the big bird. Uh, Will DeFulvio came over from WA and doing a stellar job with MBN TV. Sharpie, what caught your eye? CoreLogic's yearly report on the market of 2022, uh, written up by Eliza Owen. Uh, absolutely love her commentary. And she actually believes that we've now passed the, the bottom of the market. Obviously, we've been really, we've hit We've been hit really hard from May in terms of interest rate rises. She thinks the dust will settle early next year and we could be looking at house prices increasing by around the middle of 2023. And I'm sure Dr. Andrew Wilson's got some commentary around that as well. But I mean, really, really positive um, signs for the market in 2023. So I mentioned about the 30 properties that sold for almost a billion dollars in Sydney. But I did see this in the Telegraph as well. It's got the most expensive streets in New South Wales and it's also got the cheapest. So no surprise, there's a street, Wolseley Road in Point Piper. So the median price in that street is $33 million. It's followed by a street in Rose Bay, Vaucluse. But number four on the list, Marine Parade, Byron Bay. Medium price, $14.25 million. And that would only be in there this year. You would not have seen that within the top 30, even at Byron Bay, up until the last two years. How yeah. far off do you think North of Oka Parade is, Rod? After a few of those. It's getting very close. Well, remember, we've got that reputedly somewhere between 13 to $14 million sale at McMaster's Beach. We've had the we, – we virtually hit the $10 million at Point Frederick. And that's the incredible thing, isn't it, gentlemen, that in the last three or four months, we've seen three to four suburbs have their highest recorded prices on the Central Coast. Yeah. Now, so if they're the most expensive streets, what about the cheapest streets in New South Wales? Dangar Street in Pilliga. So, Rod, you gave us a quick history lesson. Well, it's out the back of the New England on the way out to Lightning Ridge thereabouts. Look, certainly there's not quite as many job opportunities out there. There might well be now with the fruit picking and, and all the rest if they can save any of it. But that's it, Steve. All these demographics, you can purchase an investment property for under $100,000. Some of the other locations? Yeah, well, Dangar Street, Pilliga, median price, 38500 Followed by Bogan Street, Bogan Gate. 39,950. Also on the list is Swan Bay, Wilcania, Lightning Ridge, as he said. Cobar is there. I think at number 15 is a street in Burke, 75,000. So if you're searching for some properties around New South Wales, there's a plethora of opportunities to get into the market, Sharpie. Yeah, from 39,000 all the way up to 75 million, it seems. Yeah, I mean, I'm familiar with some of those areas as well. I'd just be doing your research in terms of um, the property and the economy before you start buying something off realestate.com. Now, some more useless, unnecessary information. Bogan Street in Bogangate. The town <laughs> Ex-girlfriend? No, the town <laughs> did have a committee meeting to change the name of the street. I, from what I remember, 80 to 90% of the residents said, no, we want to keep the name of the street.
that's what caught our eye. Boys, let's get to the chief economist with My Housing Market. Is he our favourite guest? Yes. It's a photo finish between Dr. Andrew Wilson and maybe Michael Yardney, who joins us on a regular basis. Uh, but uh, how privileged are we from My Housing Market, the chief economist, Dr. Andrew Wilson? Welcome back to the podcast and Merry Christmas to you and your family. Yes, thanks, guys. Uh, nice comments and Merry Christmas to everybody so, out there as well. Dr. Wilson, without getting personal, is it going to be Melbourne or Sydney? Which of the great cities for your Christmas this year? I've just landed in Melbourne and it's a beautiful day here, pushing 30 degrees, clear blue skies. So uh, not sure Sydney's had a summer or, or maybe <laughs> even a spring this year, but uh, Mate, it got, to 20, up it. got up to 22 degrees so far today. <laughs> bit, bit better than the last few you endured. Yeah, I don't know what's happened to that Sydney weather, but uh, anyway, good luck to Melbourne. They can have a nice day every now and again. So, well, you uh, enjoy your Christmas down south then. Well, yes, and uh, it is a family Christmas, and uh, yeah, we'll be celebrating as usual. Unfortunately, the years fly by, but um, we can't stop that, can we? And um, yeah, no, look, uh, it's a lovely day here in Melbourne. I'm looking forward to a week or so in the great southern capital. Now, the other thing we should be celebrating, despite the media's take on real estate, is how well we're coming out of this scenario. Some of the facts and figures about how capital cities have performed that you've um, forwarded on to me have been quite incredible, Dr. Wilson. Well, Rod, we've got the, the final results, um, just about the final results for the year now. So we can, we can actually look back and see how our uh, housing markets have performed in terms of house prices, our capital city markets. Um, and it's certainly been, although obviously a, a weaker year in Sydney and Melbourne this year, uh, certainly nothing like the type of predictions that were made for this year. Um, but again, we should be sort of used to it. It's becoming even more profound, the negative comments regarding the outlook for uh, the housing markets and house prices. And, and once again, this year has proven to be, um, you know, a, a year of survival, despite, you know, the uh, the raft of interest rate increases that the market has had to deal with, that um, certainly the market's got on with business, particularly through the spring selling season. And, and that's what we're used to, is it not? Um, and I think that we're, we're certainly set up for a, a positive year this year, uh, next year. And I think next year, certainly the prospects are that uh, prices will finish the year higher than where they started in 2023. All things being equal, but uh, things do come out of left field to challenges from time to time as we've found out the last couple of years. But, uh, yeah, look, a, a, um, a resilient uh, year this year in Sydney and Melbourne. But, of course, um, when we put it together with what, uh, what, what the prices growth we had last year, we're still well ahead of the mark. Thanks so much, Doc. And, mate, just a quick one. Like, uh, over your time, you've been doing this for decades. Yes. Are you <laughs> – and, and I love those insights on next year and it's, it's a nice sort of positive story. But have you seen – a, a property market or the Australian property market take this kind of negative media in, in your time and also the amount of interest rate hikes. Um, have you seen anything like that um, in the past? And also, are you very proud of how the housing market sort of stood on its two feet this year? Well, look, firstly, this year has been similar in terms of confidence to 2018. Uh, we had a very strong period through 2016 and 17 in housing markets. It was driven by uh, cuts to interest rates. Uh, and we did have, you know, old-fashioned boom time conditions. Um, 2018, we came back to the mark now. Through the second half of 2018, we had what I thought was uh, quite unprecedented negative commentary from the media. 
in respect to the outlook for 2019. Um, in fact, there were some notorious shows there. I don't want to mention the shows. They won't let me back on, but uh, <laughs> that were predicting price falls of up to 40% in 2019. And, and it looked, it was, a you know, an across the board, I guess, um, you know, flavour that the media did uh, um, carry in terms of, um, you know, the prospect for a, for a house price crash and uh, that always has effects in the short term and it did through the back end of 2018 when buyers and sellers sat on their hands prices fell but that's the i guess a similar period to what we've uh, gone through with higher interest rates um, this year but i think the markets in a sense have stood up uh, better than they did in 2019 and of course as we know 2019 turned out to be a positive year um, not only did prices not fall catastrophically, they actually increased uh, through 2019 in all capital cities. And uh, we're, we're having a, um, a revival along those lines, but certainly um, quicker than we had in 2018 and 19. And so to answer the question, yes, uh, that was a similar period. I think we've performed better this year. And the difference between 2018 and this year is, of course, we've had uh, unprecedented increases in interest rates. So that puts even a more positive spin on the performance in uh, particularly through the spring selling season this year. And I think the, the real big difference is the booming economy. And I think that's the the factor that's been you know underestimated was the fact that we've had this record low unemployment rate, wages are rising again. And of course, gradually, you know, consumers are, are feeling uh, better about themselves to the point where they think, well, you know, I'm doing well. I've got a great job. I can get another job tomorrow if I want. My wages are rising. I'm, I'm going to take advantage of this. And that means starting to also take advantage of uh, markets where prices are lower and there's fewer buyers out there. And I think gradually that'll build momentum next year and that we've already seen early signs of that. So, Dr Wilson, based on some of the forecasting we, we were seeing, where are we seeing each of the capital cities right now in relation on a year-on-date performance? Well, when we look at the latest data, and this will be very close to the final results, Rod, for the year, 2022, we have Sydney down 9.2% for the year. Now, this is comparing December quarter data with December quarter data. Um, now, that's similar to the 8.4% that the Sydney market fell in 2018, that previous um, negative market period I was discussing before. Melbourne down 5.7% over the year this year, compared to 7.6% in 2018. All other markets uh, recorded positive growth uh, this year, with the exception of Hobart uh, and Canberra. Smaller markets, Hobart down 1% and Canberra down 6.5%, and Canberra market tends to track the Sydney market anyway. But if we put it all together, Rod, the national uh, median house price, which is a weighted average, fell by 3.7% this year. Uh, and of course, that uh, represents mainly the impact of Melbourne and Sydney, uh, which was uh, lower than the 5.5% it fell in 2018. So nationally, we've actually done better this year than we did in uh, in 2018 and and the point is that we've finished the market clearly with an up the year sorry with an upward trend in prices uh, price outcomes and other uh, factors such as days on market which are improving and also auction clearance rates which have risen through spring so my point is that we're certainly in a 
a positive position to continue to recover next year. Uh, and of course, the, the underlying fundamentals remain that we just have way too many people and not enough houses in our housing markets, in our capital cities. Um, and that's going to be uh, accelerated, that uh, negative relationship, by uh, you know, a, a, an unprecedented surge in migration into Australia next year. Isn't it unbelievable? Like those numbers hit you straight between the eyes when you talk about that. You know, if you're having a look at a lot of the mainstream media, you'd feel as though that the housing market's on its knees and you hear something like that. And just- you know, I'm going to quote Paul Keating. It's a readjustment of the market we had to have, isn't it, Dr. Wilson? We had three years. Some of the suburbs here, we've tracked 75 to 80% growth over three years and all of a sudden it's softened back down by 10% or so. Yes, yeah. It's the correction we needed to have in the market, I think, in many respects. Yeah. We could and, not keep going the way it was. And, boys, if you think that, you know, there's you know, negativity in the media, there's also a love affair. Every time you pick up the weekend papers in Sydney, uh, I think two weeks ago they had a billion bucks, almost a billion dollars worth of sales from just 30 properties in Sydney. Yes. The Number one, as you'd know, Dr Wilson, was a penthouse at Circular Quay, which sold for $70 million plus, followed by Wentworth Road Vaucluse, 38A, yeah. which went for $62 million. So apart from negativity, Sydney loves property. Well, it's the jewel in the crown, isn't it, of uh, capital city housing markets. Uh, you know, one of the jewels in the global crown of capital city housing markets. And uh, I think if we put it in perspective, as you mentioned there, uh, if we look, we mentioned Sydney down 9.2% this year, Melbourne down 5.7%, and that were the real uh, underperformers. But if we look back last year, the Sydney median house price increased by 32.9%, and Melbourne was up by 23%. And, you know, understanding that Melbourne was knocked around by severe lockdowns, you know, again, that's a, a, a good recovery from Melbourne. But if you add them together, you're way ahead in terms of, uh, you know, over the past two years, if you're a homeowner, uh, how your personal balance sheet is uh, is miles ahead, even with the correction this year. And the correction is, as you said, Rod, it's a correction we have to have. And we always have these corrections following very strong periods of growth because uh, we get a lot of demand that's brought forward. And this year we've had higher interest rates that have uh, also impacted affordability. So, and again, we're back, uh, you know, looking at a... Uh, a positive outcome sooner rather than later. I think Melbourne uh, prices will bottom out in the first quarter next year, and I think Sydney prices won't be too far behind uh, behind Melbourne. So first and second quarters next year, we'll start to see positive growth uh, in house prices in Sydney and Melbourne. And the interesting thing is that um, unit prices have actually done better than house prices, even though they have been weaker in Sydney and Melbourne, uh, not at the same level. And I think, you know, the the shortage of property, particularly in Sydney, and all we have to do is look at those skyrocketing rents. We've got house rents now pushing $700 a week, the medians. Um, you know, people are starting to look, uh, tenants are starting to look at units as the more affordable option. So, you know, it's. Uh, I think we're going to see that road to Damascus again from all the negative, the negative Nellies uh, when those prices start to rise again next year. Hey, Dr. Wilson, you've never given us so much ammunition to, pro- <laughs> to promote this podcast. Yeah. Uh, that's going to be the hardest part uh, once we finish this episode. Sharpie? Mate, I've got a quick question. I'm just getting rounded up by the producer as well, so I'll be quick here. And, and this is a question without notice. One sure. thing that's been evident this year and, and even last year are low stock levels. Every 
in in all of the the quality areas across Australia, you know, it's consistent, low stock, low stock from all the sales agents, even evident here yep. as well from our auctions um, throughout Sydney on the weekend. For example, on the weekend we had you know around five hundred and forty auctions take place on Saturday. Uh, this time yep. last year it was a tick over a thousand, so yep. you know yep. almost half. Why do you think? There are such low stock levels, Doctor Wilson. Have you got Have you got any commentary around that? I know we've spoken about low vacancy rates and the lack of um, yep. homes available, but in terms of the ownership, why do you think people aren't moving and aren't prepared to put their house on the market? Well, I think you nailed it there when you mentioned when we compared to last year. If we look at the Melbourne auction numbers last Saturday compared to um, when compared to uh, the same Saturday, the end of the year Saturday last year. Uh, we can see, you know, a, a similar disparity. I mean, there was 1,450 auctions in Melbourne last year on the final weekend of the year uh, compared to 799. Now, a lot of that activity through the back end of spring last year was catch-up because of COVID lockdowns. We had record numbers of properties coming into the market um, because of all the disturbances that occurred through lockdowns that, uh, you know, that was, I guess you'd say, pent-up supply coming into the market. Uh, so that means a lot of that pent-up supply was satisfied, and that's why we have lower numbers now. But even those numbers, when we look at the the numbers, the auction numbers and the uh, the listing numbers, they're what you might call more of a, a normal environment in terms of, uh, of uh, volumes. And I think that's what's happened now is we're moving back to a more normalised housing market now that we've come through the sort of roller coaster of uh, of COVID, and uh, again, I think that's good for um, positivity and, and certainly certainty going forward next year. Is that um, you know we're hopefully moving out of those. Um, you know, the extreme peaks and troughs that we've had over the past four years. Look, Doctor, that's that's a thing that, again, when we look at those numbers, we had an exorbitant number of properties come into market last year simply because yes. people had been in that, well, I got started 12 months ago and I'm going to get it yes, on the yes, market. Yes. And there was a rush because every, everybody had that suspicion that how long yeah. is this going to last? And that's it. It was unnatural. The numbers we're looking at, Matt, what a normal property market is yeah. in the in the current market now, and that's what I say. We're not in a bad market. We're not in a great market. We're just in a very normal real estate market right around Australia, I'd think. Yeah, evenly balanced between buyers and sellers, right? I think that buyers still have the upper hand, but it's shifting back towards a, a more balanced market. And when we get clearance rates consistently above 65%, we'll know that that's where we start to see some higher price energy. I mean, we had one weekend there, uh, four weekends ago, where Sydney actually got a 70% clearance rate. And I think that says it all, because uh, that was the first sniff of a buyer, of a seller's market starting to emerge. So uh, we always start off positively in autumn. And I think that we'll start off February again with uh, clearance rates in the low to mid 60s in Sydney. And, uh, you know, particularly with migration fueling our housing markets, it won't be too long before we move. Uh, again, to 70% clearance rates, I believe. Hey, uh, Dr. Wilson, being the final episode of the year, should we go with the canned applause? (laughs) That's very good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Doctor, we'd all like to thank you and and from the listeners as well too, just for the guidance, the clarity and levelling out across all the different stories we're hearing. Looking forward to catching up with you in 2023 within the first three months and most importantly, enjoy that wonderful Melbourne weather for your Christmas break. Yes, while it lasts, right, I'm looking forward to it and and I'm, I'm also looking forward to next year as well. Thank you very much for having me on the show. 
So, Dr. Andrew Wilson from My Housing Market. Yeah, we were talking about the best episodes of the year and how good was Dr. Wilson for the final show this year? Look, it's a reality check on where we are. And at the same time, we all feel for those people who have seen the mortgages go up unexpectedly, given the advice they were given. Um, and it's certainly going to be tough for those people, but at least there's a light at the end of the tunnel now with the fact that we it, it does appear. Property prices are stabilised. If people find themselves caught out, it means they're probably going to be tra- able to transact themselves out of the market, and that's a beauty. We're looking forward to a, quite an optimistic and back to it a generally good market through 2023. Rod, I did notice through the week, and you would have seen as well on the ABC, quite a few programmes like really dissecting the Reserve Bank. And, you know, I think the Governor, Philip Lowe, there's been people camping outside his home. Oh, look, there's been the shock jocks all over it. Let's face it, they're going to make a mess of anything. The guy made the mistake with speaking on available evidence and something you really can't do in that role. But I can understand why when you looked at the trends... Tell me, which of, which of you or which of the 22 million people in Australia forecast Ukrainian war? And that's really one of those things that's just changed dramatically overnight, unexpected, the difficulty was. And I feel for the man, he spoke very honestly about the fact that with this, we don't see any changes. All right, boys, that's a wrap. Episode 47, we're slowly creeping in on the half century. And Sharpie, you're a massive cricket fan, so you're looking forward to that day where you can hoist the grey nickels. Yeah, I am, mate. Um, once we get to that 50th episode, I think we should all bring in the cricket bats and just raise them um, and salute and then charge on to the century. Yeah, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll do a bit of Mervyn Hughes work on the backyard and you guys can imitate me every stretch I do. <laughs> Sounds good. Favourite <laughs> cricketer of all time? Oh, for me, and, you know, this will not go down well, but it would have to be one of the boys from the West Indies. Like, I had the West Indies poster on the wall when I was a kid. Uh, if it was an Aussie, it'd be probably AB or DK Lilly yeah. or Shane Warne. Let's not forget, too, we haven't even mentioned the Don, but yeah. the greatest era. of all time. In the era. I've got to say Mark Wall for me, Ricky Ponting. If I was to say one of the West Indies, so I could name that entire team, but they were just so cool. And, yeah, it'd have to probably be Sir Vivian Richards, just a swashbuckler. Uh, and a gentleman. Or oh, Whispering Death, Michael Holding. What a team. Yeah. Hey, uh, that's a wrap. Best wishes to uh, Jackie and the kids. Merry Christmas, mate. Thank you. Same to you guys and get that backyard cricket in. Yeah. Rod, we'll catch up on the, gold, I, I on think, the Goldie. I think it could be a Goldie catch-up definitely for the new year. Yeah. yeah. Merry Christmas, everyone. Thanks for listening. Take care. We'll catch you again soon on the Our House Podcast. <laughs>